team's goal, of course, Big East Championship. championship. I, I think we have a lot more left, um, and that's, that's really on our strengths. No matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. It can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you gotta stay, stay locked in, stay motivated, and do what you gotta do to be the player you wanna be. Hello and welcome to Full Court Press, the Georgetown Voices, Georgetown Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Beth. I got Jorge with me. Hey. And I got Errol here with me as well. Hello. We have a interesting two weeks of basketball to talk about, but we will start with the men's basketball team. Last week on Wednesday, the Georgetown men's basketball team went on the road at Seton Hall and dropped a game that... No one thought it would be as blowout-like as it was. The Hoyas lost 90-75 to in that contest. It was just Seton Hall was firing on all cylinders. They couldn't miss they from anywhere. could not miss. Miles Powell had 30 points. Um, yeah, 30 points. Um, Jesse Govan had 20. Greg Malinowski had 16. But no one else on the Hoyas really did much. DeMarco had 9. They were sorry. Yeah. So, what did you guys see in that game? What were your thoughts? Seton Hall averaged 70 points going into that game, and yeah. the Hoyas gave up 90. Yeah. I, that's pretty much the extent of my thoughts on this game. It, it was poor defense, especially early, and once Seton Hall built up a lead, they just kind of held it the rest of the way, even though the Hoyas kind of made their way back into the game. But, like, damage was done in the first 10 minutes. Um, I'm gonna make, I, I put this loss solely on the shoulders of the freshmen. Um, I think overall when you have your freshmen three starters combining for in the Seton Hall game combining for 15 total points, um, you can't expect to win. You know, I think um, Josh LeBlanc was very overwhelmed when he had to guard, was it Mamouche Cavelli? I think that's how you say his mm-hmm. last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I was impressed. When, you had to guard, when he had to guard him on the perimeter, you know, he was kind of caught like a deer in headlights. Never seen, like he had never seen a big man that could shoot before. And, and they, that's he, they kinda, let him shoot three for three from three. Correct. Like, that's very surprising because I know he guards Jesse in practice. <laughs> and I'm not saying Jesse and Mamu are, like, synonymous, but in terms of, like, offensive skill-wise, I think that they, you know, have some overlapping traits. And Josh was caught like a deer in headlights. You know, he was, instead of trying to run him off the line, he was getting caught in the air. You know, he would, you know, just really seem like he was out of sorts. Mac and James, I think they just didn't really seem like they, like, were together. It seemed like they were still kind of, like, on, I guess, like, a break. Um, They just weren't complete. Like, it just seems like they were there. And that ultimately, I think, led to the demise. Jesse did what Jesse does. 20 points, a big showing for Greg off the bench. But besides that, there weren't really many more bright spots in that game. Big shout out to Jagan, though. Big sh- Oh, big shout out to Jagan. Oh. Jagan Mosley. <laughs> there is a warrant out for this man's arrest because he murdered Mamu under the basket. Beautiful high ball screen. Jagan switches to his left hand, cocks it back with his right, and proceeds to put that man through the floor. Which is good, because he tried to do that two times last season and missed the dunk. And the ball went into the stands. Um, but this time, you know, Jagan completed it, and it definitely was, you know, I think what many th- watching thought might have been a kickstart. That's a big play that can get kind of the offense going. You're like, oh, wow, this is the shot in the arm we need. We've got the offense going. 
Not much. You know, they still weren't able to cut the lead down to more than six. Because they couldn't defend. Because they can't, they can't defend. So I think that was a huge step back for them. But then they had a week of rest and came home to Capital One Arena to play the number 17 ranked Villanova, who had just, who were coming off a loss to St. John's, who we as seniors have never seen Georgetown beat. Nope. Um, never. And the last two, three outings, I think, got, they got clapped by... Clapped, <laughs> clapped by, I mean, last year, 27 and, like, 28 or something insane. Defending national champions Villanova shows up in Capital One Arena, and the, Georgetown wins by 12. It was never, it was it was convincing the entire time. It never seemed like they were going to blow it, even at times when maybe Villanova was creeping back. Georgetown stuck with it. I mean, Phil Booth had 26, but they held Pascal to 16, and... Jesse and Max just had the games of their lives with 21 each. Um, James had 10. Jamarco had 7. Just a nice overall game from everyone from top to bottom, I think. And what a, what a day. What a game. I think that was just one of the like best games, biggest wins that we've seen since we've been here. Yeah, it's probably the, I would say, for me personally, probably the second biggest like crowd showing I've seen from the students. Um since our freshman since year. Since our freshman year, Syracuse probably. Right, Syracuse, yeah. yeah. Um, and just overall atmosphere of the game, it was unrivaled, you know. I think it was definitely a big rebound from the week prior when they lost to Butler at home mm-hmm. when, you know, I think the crowds are pretty comparable there. Um, similar, comparable, whatever word I want to use there. Um, I think they were um, definitely a, a big momentum shift for the boys, but I definitely think that, you know, there were still areas for them to improve. Um, there were times where they kind of fell asleep on defense. They almost surrendered the lead multiple times, um, especially at the start of the second half. But I think this was probably the best that they've looked in conference play. They definitely were a very complete team. You know, you had scoring from pretty much everyone that stepped onto the floor. and Everyone who stepped onto the floor scored. Yeah, which is something I don't think we've been able to say much throughout the season. And it was definitely one of the games that you looked at, and you're like, wait, this is what this team is capable they of. They had 23 assists. Yeah. On twenty nine made baskets, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Well, that that great. is unheard of. That yeah. is definitely unheard like, of. That's we, Golden State Warrior like seen. <laughs> and I mean, it, it helps that James has nine assists. Yeah, and nearly so. had a double double that way. But and to me, the biggest worry coming into this game was how was Jesse going to fare because we saw it defensively he kind of got ran around against Villanova the first time and got frustrated fouls ends up fouling out hardly playing. No this time, it seems like Georgetown was able to scheme a way for Jesse to, you know, play a part defensively and, you know, contribute against a quicker Villanova team. And, you know, his offense spoke for itself, so that also helped. It probably gives him a little more confidence, helps him play some better defense too. So that, I think that was the big game changer, that Jesse Govan was able to stay in and have a good game because that would have been the difference last time too. Oh. And, you know, one thing I was really impressed with that game though was – um, Jamarco's defense on Pascal at times, and then even Mac's defense on Pascal. And I think, you know, one thing we've kind of hit on throughout the years, Mac is kind of a one-side-of-the-ball player. He doesn't really play defense much. And he, there were times where Pascal was switched on to him, and he made Pascal work for every point that he got. There were times where Pascal scored, but, you know, there were also a number of trips where he came with em- empty possessions. And I think that was definitely a huge, like, kind of turning point for him as a player, especially as a freshman, you know, to see that you can defend someone who is arguably, you know, all Big East first team 
and you're able to hold this person to much less points than what he's averaging. He's used to averaging. Yeah, no, I I was just very impressed with everyone's play from, you know, Jagan and Javon, who didn't play much, to Caleb, who came in and played starter-like minutes um, because eight, Josh eight LeBlanc was in. Eight rebounds. Eight points, eight rebounds in 23 minutes because Josh LeBlanc was in foul trouble. He did everything that he had to do. Um, he played great. Everyone played great, and it was just a sight to see. But it was I think it was also kind of disappointing knowing that, like, this team has this potential. And and it's not always there. And it's yeah. just not always there. And then it wasn't there um, on Saturday against Creighton. We talked about poor defensive showing. Well, yeah, they did that again. Well, And, and here's what kind of goes back to what my worry was before the Villanova game with Jesse Govan, because you saw Martin Crumple would come out play the high pick and roll, and Jesse's kind of stranded. Like, there was one play they replayed where Jesse's trying to anticipate a screen to the left, and Cromwell just cuts into the lane and gets an uncontested dunk. And that's one of those games where, you know, when the points aren't falling for Jesse, he is a defensive liability. Yeah, and, I mean, Georgetown just lit up so many threes. Crane shot 14 threes, and just they had eight in the first half. Georgetown was just leaving them open like crazy. They got so many open looks. It just felt like a complete and total defensive lapse. Um, and on top of that, the ball just was not falling for anyone. Javon Blair was the leading scorer. He had 16. He, I mean, he shot pretty well. Um, and Greg Malinowski got involved. The two of them it kind of shot the team back into it at one point. But then Creighton just pulled away again, and Georgetown couldn't keep up. I don't. I don't even know what to say about this game because I think it was just incredibly disappointing. Um, I that that loss for me, I put a little bit of it on the coaching. Um, Coach Ewing used three of his timeouts in the first half, yeah. and you basically put your team in a very dangerous position with one with one timeout for twenty minutes of play, not counting the media timeouts. You know that's really hard if you want to try and will your team to get back into the game. You can't really expect for your team to get back into the game, go on a run, and when they start to lose some of that lead, be able to use a timeout there and then not be able to be stranded, you know, not be able to be stranded um, like they would have been if they used that one timeout. And I think that that was a huge kind of coaching flaw that um, Coach Ewing has still been trying to work through. Um, I mean, he used the timeout a minute and a half into the game. And, yes, it was a needed timeout, maybe, but I also think it was a timeout that he could have done without. And, you know, I think there's a certain point in which you have to be able to coach through the game and coach through your players and utilize the dead balls, utilize the moments when they're in the half court, playing the half court offense. And you can say, like, all right, James, come over to the corner. You can kind of talk when you to play what you want him to do. Um, but in the same regard, that's also a loss in which I kind of say the freshmen. You know, they've been, especially James and Josh and Mac, the three of them being – the players that can contribute in their own, you know, individual ways. James throwing a million assists, Mac pulling up deep threes from everywhere, you know, getting the scoring going, and Josh having a lot of rebounds. Yes, Josh had seven rebounds, but he also didn't really contribute to the game in many other forms. This is kind of another game in which he, you know, was kind of hesitant to guard a big man who could shoot the ball. And it's one of the things where, I don't know, I was watching the game, and it was like we seemed to relapse the team that we were at the beginning of the season. And it was just like, this is not what you need at this point in the season. You know, you're coming off a huge win against Villanova. And, you know, you're hoping to ride that momentum from the win to Villanova, you know, throughout the rest of the season into the Big East tournament. 
and you basically completely like wet yourself. They gave you know? up their tournament chances. They no, they did. They they got swept by a Creighton team that is six and nine in the conference, which puts them at you know eighth. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna separate yourselves from the pack, you can't be getting swept by a team that is below you in the standings. So now, I mean, they gotta beat Marquette. Yeah, they, at the very least. At the very least, they probably have to win the Big East tournament, which probably involves beating Marquette somewhere Again. along the line. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think that this team, we said it offline and online. You know, this team has so much potential, and you know, you look at the games like Villanova, in which they're all clicking at the right time. Court vision, you know, offensive rebounds, hustle stats, you know, things that don't show up on the stat sheet, and then you get here and you see a game like the Creighton game, and you were like. All right, where did this? Where was this intensity? What happened? We know who is this team, and what did they do with the team they played on Wednesday against uh, Villanova? This is one of the things where you know you look at Javon Blair off the bench, and he's been definitely struggling. I think all season to kind of find his role, and I think Coach Ewing kind of just left him in, hoping that he would jumpstart the offense, which is what he did. Um, but I think he also kind of made some coaching changes in there as well. Pulling Jagan, putting in James, which then meant James was going to get more touches. And he kind of manipulated the lineup that was working to a certain degree um, when he should have just let the boys play basketball. And when he did that, that's when Javon heated up and, you know, was making his baskets. That's when they were able to move the ball around the perimeter and Greg was able to get shots. But I think that game was a huge kind of coaching flaw um, for well. Coach Ewing and staff. And now the Hoyas are sitting at sixth, although they're only a half game out of fourth um, because Seton Hall and Xavier both have one game up on them. The win against Villanova looks less impressive now that Villanova got crushed by Xavier. I can't believe it. So Villanova, Xavier? Xavier? Villanova is not head and shoulders above the conference. And <laughs> oh, she's coming for both of them. Xavier, yeah, I know. I know. I was worried she was going to do that. Xavier is... Has the potential to win out, like I said. So they're not. the boys are both wrong. <laughs> Beth not. is right. They're not. Beth has been vindicated. Xavier can't be Villanova. Xavier can't be Villanova. Xavier can't be Villanova. Anyways, um, in my defense, I, I still had that take before they lost the pen. Yeah, Georgetown. <laughs> Fair. Georgetown and Butler are tied for six, both at six and eight, um, and they split this year. Um, so Georgetown still plays the Paul twice. Georgetown still gets to play DePaul twice, which is helpful, although they've lost to DePaul the last two years at home, so who knows. Yeah, well, um, two DePaul games, Seton Hall, and Marquette. That is all that's left. Marquette has only lost to one team this year, and that is St. John's. Um, going to Marquette and beating them in the last game of the season is unlikely, I think. I mean, Marquette still has to play Villanova again, though. I think they can take Seton Hall at home. I think they can take both the DePaul games. I think finishing the season at this point 3-1 and one, is completely doable, but I do not think that that is enough to give them a tournament bid unless they do some crazy, crazy stuff in the um, Big East tournament. That's not enough for the tournament bid. But But what it probably means is an NIT bid. Um, They're going to go over 500 this year for the first. If if they win one more game, they're guaranteed to finish above 500. Yeah, and they're going to finish... They're going to finish their, like, regular season play over 500, um, which they have not the last few years, which will be exciting. And the home NIT game will be really fun at McDonough. It's not the NCAA tournament, but... It's postseason. I will say this. Villanova will not lose four games in a row. You're right, they won't. Because they have to play Marquette. 
I didn't and say Villanova's going to lose out. No, I no, I'm, I know, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I I see Xavier picking up another loss before they play us. Um, I definitely. Who? I'm sorry, not Xavier. Um, Marquette. I see Marquette picking up another uh, another loss before they play us. Um, I don't think that this Villanova team loses four games in a row. I could be wrong. I definitely didn't think that they would lose to Xavier. The crazy thing, though, is that Marquette and Villanova stood so far ahead of everyone that Villanova's <laughs> lost three in a row, and they're still three games ahead of St. John's, who's in third. Like, you could say they are still head and shoulders above. Above third and down, not Marquette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's one way to put it. Uh, all right. It is still the majority of the conference. It is still the majority of the conference. All right, so we're going to shift to the women's basketball team. We're going to start with... Just a complete and utter blowout to Villanova. The women's basketball team, after having a pretty good weekend at Marquette and DePaul, they didn't come away with wins, but they like hung with the two best teams, and Villanova got clapped by those two best teams. Villanova's their travel partner. They go to Villanova, and it looks like Georgetown's the better team after that weekend, and lost <laughs> 91 to 43. Yeah. So, um... They almost got 50 pieced. They dropped six points in the second quarter. They... It was probably the worst game mm-hmm. they've played in three years. In, in a long time. Yeah. I mean, the problem with this, that team... They played better against both Baylor and NC State this year than they did in this game. Correct. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, the problem with that this team and that game in particular was the first half... The start, well, the big three of Deanna White, Dorothy Adamako, and Michaela Vinson was five for fifteen, and the rest of the team was. Um, then they finished the, ha- the the team finished the half six for twenty five, so I mean I think that's very indicative of the team successes. You know, no one else was able to contribute, and, and then in the third quarter, Villanova scored <laughs> thirty nine points. Yes, in ten minutes. And it's just like game over there. I don't have any words. I think that, you know, it goes back to what I said last week of, you know, there's no real leader on that team that's going to step up and, you know, get in each other's behinds and say, let's go, let's win, let's do this. We're not going to lose to a team that we beat earlier this year. We beat in the Big East tournament last year, you know, that we lost to about a combined three points in the regular season last year. You know, this isn't a team that we deserve to be losing by 53 at one point in time. And that... That was what was missing in that game. Box score aside, you know, stat sheet aside, all that good stuff. I think looking at highlights and just the team morale following that game, you can see that, you know, a leader needed to be emerged. And I think that's kind of what carried over into the first game. No, it, it did. I mean, those, that was the weekend. The, 25, the first 25 minutes of that Seton Hall game, they scored 15 points. Mm-hmm. So they put three up in the first quarter. And through the media timeout in the third quarter, like, they started the first half. They had two points to start. It was just two free throws, not even a field goal. Yeah. So the Seton Hall game on Friday of the next weekend, they're jumping ahead a bit. The Hoyas won 51-43, but scored three points in the first quarter, ten in the second, second um, and went into the half down 13. We're able to stage a comeback in the third and fourth quarters, but... Yeah, it it looked like that same team in that first half. Yeah, I think you can see it. You know, they were when they were stuck at three points, their heads were down. They weren't getting back in transition. Coach Howard is visibly frustrated. 
not to the point of where, you know, your coach, you can tell he's angry with what you're doing, but he still wants you to win. You could just see his head was down. At one point, he was just sitting on the bench. He wasn't even coaching. And then they go into halftime, come out of halftime, and it became the Deanna White show. You know, Deanna, I don't know what what happened to her at halftime, but she came out and just erupted. And that was, you know, I think what the team needed was someone to put them on their back and say, we're going to win. We're not going to go down like this. And that's exactly what Deanna did. You know, she finished with how many points? 19. She was 19. She, nine of them from the line. Yeah. Like, she yeah. finally, like, put the team on her back and was like, all right, I'm going to get to the hoop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to either get the layup or I'm going to get fouled. Mm-hmm. The crazy stat from this game is that four Georgetown players scored. Yeah. Deanna, Michaela, Dorothy, and Morgan Smith. No one else scored a point in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they first half they shot four for 24. Mm-hmm. It was not a pretty basketball game by any means, but I think you could see at the end of the game, once they pulled out that win, they were relieved. They were relieved. Like I, they were excited. Yeah. You, you could see them jumping on the bench. Yeah. You know. they, they, they enjoyed it again. And, like and you, I interviewed Dion after the game, and I think you could kind of tell. She like, took a deep breath, and we asked her, how does it feel after like, this awful stretch? She's like, you know, it felt good. Yeah. Well, and I think that energy, especially from Dorothy and Deanna, transferred into the game on Sunday um, against St. John's. A when thriller. They, it was a thriller, but it didn't look like it was going to be a thriller start. Because 32 in the first quarter. Yeah. Georgetown scored 32 in the first quarter and had 49 at the half, which is more points than they scored against uh, Villanova. Villanova in the whole game. And they only got 51 against Seton Hall. Yeah. Um, and they missed like four free throws, so they should have eclipsed that mark. Yeah. St. John's came back, um, played through at the half, um, Played through the second, uh, played through the second half. Came back, made it a game at one point, um, but missed the jumper to tie it. It was a floater, I think. Missed yeah. the floater to tie it, and the Hoyas won eighty-two to eighty. Dorothy Adamako had a career high with twenty-nine. She had nine rebounds. Deanna White also had twenty-nine. It became the Georgetown's second all-time leading scorer on her senior day, which was very exciting. Michaela Benson had nine. Um, then Brianna Jones had three, and Anita Kaleva, uh, Kaleva, Kaleva, Kaleva had two. No one else scored again. Um, well. But when you're getting s- almost 60 points from your top two and another 20 from everyone else, Michaela, it's, what else do you need, really? Yeah, I mean, I think this game was all about the seniors. You know, it was, I mean, senior obviously, day. it's senior day, senior day, and it was very fitting that the seniors did what they do best. Deanna put the team on her back. Unfortunately, Deanna fouled out, and then Dorothy took over. Fouled out to BS. Yeah, she fouled out on, there were three calls that she should not have gotten that she unfortunately was given. Not much you can do about it. You know, she played through it, but you could see early in the third, like probably midway through the third quarter when she picked up her third foul, um, and then her fourth one almost relatively quickly after. She was... I looked at Jorge and I said, she can't play defense anymore because she will fall out. And that's what happened in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the biggest surprise of the weekend is Michaela Benson's defense. You know, she played lockdown defense on Kadesha Hobby. She played lockdown defense on Alicia Cavey. She played lockdown defense on three phenomenal players today and then also on uh, Inge Butina from Seton Hall. And... That was the turning point of the game. You know, there were many possessions where Michaela was screaming. You know, she was low in her stance, hands waving, hand in the face. 
And, you know, that was what changed the game. Yes, Deanna and Dorothy do what they do. They scored. You know, Deanna had her steals. Dorothy had her blocks. But I feel like without Michaela's defense, it is a very different game. So now the Hoyas are 7-9. and nine. They go on the road for their last stint of the season before the Big East tournament. They got Xavier and they have Butler. Xavier should be an easy dub. Butler is beat a much Marquette. harder game, but is also a – I mean, St. John's beat Marquette too. So Butler – that's a tougher game. They're playing very well this year, but the Hoyas could win out. Um, Providence and Creighton have to go on the road at Marquette and DePaul, which they're in the middle of the pack there. If they lose those two games, that can help the Hoyas propel forward and get maybe fifth or a sixth spot um, going in to the Big East tournament. What do we think is the likelihood? What are your predictions for the Big East tournament for them? I I don't think they can win it, unfortunately, because that would require them beating Marquette and DePaul in succession, most likely. Yeah. And if the upset is Butler, then Butler beat one of them, too. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to beat Butler twice in, you know, the span of that time. It also requires this team to put together three good games in a row, which we haven't seen them do yet. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to win the Big East tournament, which means they really need to win both games this weekend to have a chance at the WNIT bid. Because if they lose one, then, you know, they can then go one and one in the tournament and despite probably making the semifinals, because I, I do expect them to avoid that playoff and playing game and get at least six, then they're still a losing team and they're out of WNIT consideration. So they got to win these two to at least make sure they are, they finish at least 500. Yeah, I think before they even can think about the Big East tournament, they have to finish the regular season. And, you know, I think that they have to shift their focus to Tory Schickel and Butler because that is probably the biggest game that they're probably going to face for the next couple of weeks. And George Hines um, always had trouble guarding bigs. On the road, you know, and, you know, Tori Schickel is a physical big. She's going to give Anita trouble. She's going to give Morgan trouble. Whoever, you, whoever you're going to put on her, she's going to give them trouble because, you know, she's six one, very physical. And I think that Coach Howard's going to have to game plan a really good scheme to force her to play off the ball while not leaving Whitney Jennings open because she also is very good at basketball. Everyone's good at basketball. Um, And so I think that Coach Howard just has to make sure he comes with a game plan that's able to force the players that aren't on the scouting report to play, Um, force the players that aren't maybe first or second off the bench to come in and play and have to score points. And this will be another game which I say, you know, we have to see bench consideration. We're going to have to see some players off our bench come in and score. You know, Brianna Jones has been chipping in points here and there lately, but we can get five, six, seven points from her and a couple more from, you know, Cassie Gord- uh, Cassandra Gordon who's been playing lately or mm-hmm. even from uh, Nicola Kovacicol. Someone like that, if we can get points from them, I think that will kind of push the moment- momentum in our favor and going into the Eastern. Well, we will see how the Hoyas do. We'll catch up with you all in a few weeks. Bye. Bye. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at GU Voice Sports. Teams go, of course, Big East Championship. Championship. I think we have a lot more length, um, and that's, that's really on our strengths. No matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. It can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you got to stay, stay locked in, stay motivated and do what you got to do to be the player you want to be.